Hey everyone, this is Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the final pre-draft episode of the Ready For The Draft podcast. All of the positional breakdowns have been completed over the last few podcasts that I've released, and now the final podcast, taking a look at my final mock draft in advance of the draft, Thursday, April 25th, Nashville, Tennessee, just a couple of days away. Countdown is on. I can't wait. You know, and, and really, you know, there's all this speculation, and we talk about narratives, and that's what if you've listened to this, to my podcast, you know, we talk about the draft narrative. What's the draft narrative going to be each and every year? Well, obviously, last year we had four quarterbacks taken in the top ten, five in the round in in round one, uh, never been done before, and uh, you know, with it with a four quarterbacks taken in, in the top 10 Baker Mayfield, number one overall, you know, I, I said from, from day one that if John Dorsey wanted to change the losing culture in Cleveland, they draft Baker Mayfield. Didn't think they'd actually do it, which was why my pod or my mock draft reflected Sam Darnold going number one overall, but I'm glad every chance I, I had on my podcast, I was talking about Baker Mayfield. So what is, the narrative going to be for the 2019 draft. Obviously, defense is going to win out in terms of the number of picks. But again, what are we talking about? We're always talking about the quarterback position. Where is Kyler Murray going to go? Is he going to be the number one overall pick? Is you know Where's Dwayne Haskins going to fall? Is, is Dave Gettleman going to pull the trigger and get a quarterback? Is it going to be Dwayne Haskins? Is it going to be Daniel Jones? Daniel Jones, one of the more polarizing quarterbacks. Is he a, a, a first-rounder? Is he more of a second-round pick? Like I believe um, people are really split on his game. Uh, and then there's Drew Locke. Number of teams that could potentially take Drew Locke. It's it's amazing. Uh, you know, this was supposed to be a year that was down on quarterbacks, and yet here we are. On you know, really right on the on the doorstep of of the draft, and the narrative is still quarterbacks. So with with my mock draft, uh, number one, obviously the Arizona Cardinals. They've been on on the clock for quite some time now, and. The, the, they still haven't supposedly made their final decision. You know, I know that they're still trying to find a trade partner for for Josh Rosen. When does Josh Rosen get traded? You know, it could be on day one. You know, and and really, it won't be until after that number one overall pick is read. Um, maybe they have something in the works after you know when they take Kyler. Um, but uh, you know, Josh Rosen. You know, look. Everything that's happened with all this talk about Kyler Murray, you know, they had their hype video and, and Josh Rosen wasn't even on it. It was all the, you know, the, the skill position and defensive players. No Josh Rosen. So either Josh Rosen's in on all of this uh, as part of the smoke screen and, uh, you know, he comes out laughing at the end. Or you've got a, a relationship there that I think would be, you know, too difficult to repair. You know, how do you really come back from that? You know, this is a guy that was a 10th overall pick a season ago. Now all of a sudden there's been all this talk and, and everything that's been going on, the speculation, uh, you know, it, it almost feels like he's the lame duck quarterback uh, of the Cardinals at this point. Kyler Murray, to me, fits what Cliff Kingsbury wants to do. You know, Kyler Murray played under Lincoln Riley. 
Also, you know, like Cliff Kingsbury, a disciple of Mike Leach. So that, that offense, very familiar with that. Um, you know, Cliff Kingsbury recruited Kyler Murray to come to Texas Tech. So there's a, a level of, of familiarity there as well. Uh, I, I think for Josh Rosen, you know, it's not that I, I don't think Josh Rosen's a good quarterback. It's more so when you talk about fit, you know, and I've heard people say, well, if you like Josh Rosen enough to take him number 10 overall, you know, why, why are you now turning your back on him? And it's not even so much that, you know, you didn't think, you, you know, you think he was good enough to be 10 overall last year and now you're already turning your back. It's not that at all. He was the fit when Steve Wilkes was the quarter was the was the head coach. Steve Wilkes is out. Cliff B- Kingsbury is in. He's bringing a new offense. You know, you can't fit a, a square peg into a round hole. You know, and to me, I, I think the better fit is is Kyler Murray. Josh Rosen probably better in a more West Coast style offense. You know, would be my opinion. What's interesting with Kyler Murray, you know, that would be. You know, in college, you had back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners coming out of Oklahoma, and potentially those back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners going back-to-back number one overall. Unprecedented um, in terms of, of what we're dealing with here, and uh, you know, Lincoln Riley really making a name for himself um, as one of the top head coaches in all of college football, and that was a big reason why people were talking about him as, as a possible uh, NFL head coach. You know, trying to find that next Sean McVay. Um, you know, and rather than than have Lincoln Riley bite and, and move on to the NFL, you know, that was ultimately left up to King Cliff Kingsbury, you know, who was fired as as the head coach there at Texas AM. I'm sorry, at Texas Tech. Um, you know, and then took a job at USC, probably prematurely, uh, as the offensive coordinator. Um, you know, if the NFL was was interested, probably shouldn't have taken that job. But uh, you live, you learn. Ultimately, you know, he ends up in Arizona. And, uh, you know, he uh, spoke with sports reporter Eric Kelly of KLBK in, in October when he was coaching the Red Raiders and, you know, said that he'd take Kyler Murray number one overall if he had a chance to. He was that talented. Um, you know, what's interesting with the Arizona, everyone talks about, well, they've, they've invested so much draft capital in the quarterback position. Um, you know, would a team really trade last year's first round quarterback and take another quarterback? You know, what we're talking about isn't unprecedented. You know, it happened three times in the history of the draft. Uh, in 83, John Elway was selected by the Colts one year after they, they selected Arch Schlichter. 1955, Colts again drafted George Shaw just one year after drafting Cotton Davidson to play quarterback. And then there was the Rams. Rams drafted a quarterback in three consecutive drafts between 1962 and 1964. Roman Gabriel, Terry Baker, Bill Munson. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, if the Cards really want to give Kingsbury a fair chance to succeed in the NFL, they have to get the quarterback that fits the system best. And that's why I think Murray makes the most sense here. Now, when you're talking about where's Josh Rosen going, because essentially Josh Rosen is almost entering the draft, you know, for a second time. Yes, he has the luxury of, of being able to say that he's played a year in, in the NFL, but essentially it, it's it's kind of deja vu all over again. You know, here where is he going to go on draft day? You have teams that are looking for quarterbacks. You know, Oakland 
I, I don't think this is the year that Oakland looks for a quarterback. I think they're going to roll with Derek Carr and, and see what they have there. So I don't see Oakland doing that. The Giants, you know, that, that's a possibility. You know, I think Josh Rosen, you know, you get him in there, you know, um, sit behind Eli for a year and then potentially take over. I just don't see Josh Rosen. I think what's whatever situation Josh Rosen's going to, he's more than likely going to compete for the starting position uh, right away. I don't see him starting in, in New York right away. So that's why Cincinnati just doesn't make a lot of sense for me either. Unless Zach, Ta- uh, Zach Taylor, the new head coach, who got to see Josh Rosen twice when the Rams played, played the Cardinals. He was Sean McVay's quarterback coach. If he sold on him, Maybe you see Cincinnati, you know, make that pick to then have Rosen battle Andy Dalton for that starting spot. You know, now listen, you know, Andy Dalton, you know, you think about it and it's like, all right, the red rocket, uh, red rifle, whatever you want to call him. Um, when you look at what he's done, um, you know, his first five, uh, five seasons, it went to to five straight playoff appearance uh, appearances and posted a zero and five record during those postseasons, and then during the last three years, Dalton failed to post a winning record. Finished this season on IR following a thumb injury that required surgery. You know, he's under contract through twenty twenty, set to make thirty three point nine million dollars in those two seasons. Maybe Taylor looks to move on. I just don't know that I see that happening. You know, he has the veteran quarterback build around him. Um, you know, you'll see why here in a minute when we get to Cincinnati at number 11. So who else is out there? You know, the Washington Redskins, sure, they, they'd be in it. They need to get a quarterback. Although I, I don't see them taking another, uh, you know, another quarterback who's a, a veteran. They already have Colt McCoy on the roster. Obviously, Alex Smith with the with, with the compound fracture, you know, and, and had uh, had the infection. Not sure if he's going to ever play again. So he ended up trading for Case Keenum. I don't see them trading again. I think they're going to end up you know, trading up and getting a, a quarterback in the draft. So I'm looking at you know, a team in the top top half of the draft would be Miami. You know, I don't know that Miami would end up trading away a first-round pick. But Miami has Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. And really... You know, they, they haven't done a whole lot. You know, they weren't very active in free agency. To me, I, I look at that and I think that would be the best fit. You got a new head coach in Brian Flores, who's a defensive-minded guy. You know, get a quarterback, you know, who can learn from, from Ryan Fitzmagic a little bit and uh, let him compete. You know, I, I think that's a situation where Josh Rosen can come in and start right away. There are a few other teams that could potentially be interested in Josh Rosen. New Orleans, the Chargers, New England. All teams that have veteran quarterbacks, aging veteran quarterbacks. You know, and eventually you have to look for their replacement. Or I should say their successor. Drew Brees, he's over 40 years of age. At some point, you're going to need to find his replacement. Philip Rivers in his late 30s. Who's going to be his replacement? 
Tom Brady. Again, north of 40. Eventually, you're going to have to find his successor as well. And I don't think that their successor is on any of those rosters. Could they potentially trade up? I shouldn't say trade up, but should they, you know, trade for Josh Rosen? Entirely possible. But I think your best bet is probably going to end up being Miami. I think Miami is is the team that's going to end up, um, if we do see a trade for uh, Josh Rosen, I think Miami's probably the, the odds-on favorite in my eyes. But Arizona, get your quarterback, get Kyler Murray. I know that there's talk about Nick Bosa possibly being there. You know, you can team him up with uh, uh, Chandler Jones. You know, you look at Denver. Uh, you know, Vance Joseph was the head coach there. They had Von Miller. They brought in Bradley Chubb. So that does make sense. Um, you know, arguably the best player in the draft is Quinton Williams. In their uh, their defense and their three four scheme, you need a guy there. You know, on on the front uh, defensive front. And Quentin, Quentin Williams obviously would be the guy that would be wreaking havoc in, a, in opposing backfields. So that could potentially make sense. I just think Kyler Murray, you know, with with the, the way that he's he's just so dynamic, the arm strength, uh, his ability to play outside the pocket, um, the way he sees the field, he understands, you know, all of the um, spread concepts and, you know, where to go with the football and then just the poise under pressure. That's one of the things that Baker may separated Baker Mayfield from the other quarterbacks was the poise under pressure. Kyler Murray had to be on his A game each and every game. Otherwise, the Sooners were losing. Why? They have one of the worst defenses in the entire FBS. Kyler Murray had all the pressure on him, and you did not see that guy crack. Ice water in his veins. You have a guy who just went out there, wasn't phased by the pressure, you know, struggled a little bit in that, that game against Alabama in the playoff. But man, that second half, he was dynamic and nearly brought the Sooners back in that game against the Tide before uh, the Sooners finally wound up losing. Um, to me, Kyler Murray makes the most sense. Go and get your guy, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, and then use the rest of the draft. I think day two picks, you're probably going to get a receiver, You know, whether it is Marquise Brown you know, a lot of people have him going off the board in round one, but man, that list Frank surgery, that, that really bothers me. That worries me, I should say, because, you know, his game is all about speed. And man, if you can't get vertical, if you can't separate, he's only 5'9", 166 pounds. You know, that's really where I worry. So I think he may fall to round two. Sitting there at the top of round two, you can get a guy like Hollywood Brown, potentially, or uh, Nikhil Harry, if you want a bigger bodied receiver. Um, you're going to need a tackle as well. I think maybe Titus Howard out of Alabama State in round number three, you know, and then go defense. Number two on the board, San Francisco 49ers, Nick Bosa. You know, I think you can pretty much pencil this in as a lock. Um, you know, you pair Nick Bosa with D Ford, who you got from the Chiefs. You got DeForest Buckner, who had 13 and a half sacks a season ago. So- Solomon Thomas to me is an, is a should be playing inside. He was a five technique at Stanford. I think he's playing out of position as a four, three defensive end. He's playing out of position, play him on the uh, interior. And uh, I think he may have something. And then obviously Eric Armstead would be uh, the first guy off the bench. That's a pretty formidable front four 
um, you know, with two excellent pass rushers coming off the edge. Um, if I'm the in the NFC West, if I'm Jared Goff, Russell Wilson, or uh, potentially Kyle, Kyler Murray, um, I'd be worrying about having to see Nick Bosa coming after me. Nick Bosa, 6'4", 266, junior out of Ohio State. Um, you know, to me, I, I think that one makes a lot of sense. He reminds you a lot of Joey Bosa, uh, his his uh, older brother, and uh, plays a lot the the same way. I don't think he's as dynamic as his brother. I think he might be a little bit quicker, a little bit more explosive. Um, and uh, I really would have loved to have seen what he could have done for an entire season in 2018 as a junior. You know, three sacks, four uh, tackles for loss in just three games. I'm sorry, four sacks in just three games. Really wanted to see what he could do to follow up with that. We just never got a chance to see it. Number three, the Jets. I have him taking Quinnen Williams, defensive tackle, Alabama, 6'3", 303 pounds, the redshirt sophomore. Here's why. Yes, they need a, a pass rusher on the outside. Absolutely. I agree 100%. You know, Jordan Jenkins, Brandon Copeland, they don't appear to be ideal fits as edge rushers in a 4-3 scheme. You know, and that's really what uh, what Adam Gase, you know, that's why Adam Gase brought Greg Williams in. He's bringing that 4-3 scheme, going to be very aggressive and, and pressuring the quarterback. You know, the Jets, they, they brought in um, C.J. Mosley. Obviously, they brought in Le'Veon Bell on offense as well. Um, you know, with that four-three scheme, I think Leonard Williams moving inside is is definitely something that you want to see. Um, you know, Henry Anderson, I think he's best suited as an interior rusher on passing downs. I just don't think he's a starter. Um, I, I think the guy that you go with is arguably the best player in the draft in, in Quinton Williams. When when Greg Williams was coaching the defense for the Rams, he had a guy by the name of Aaron Donald on the inside. And, and a guy that just happened to wreak havoc with the explosive first step, the speed to power, uh, you know, you, you rest is history, two-time defensive uh, player of the year. You get a guy like Quinton Williams on the inside, I think that's going to allow him to uh, to be a little ver- more versatile defensively, you know, and be able to, you know, you, it, it's rare to find those interior pass rushers who can affect the game from the inside quite like Quinton Williams does. You know, and, and I talked about it in the positional breakdown when you look at Quinton Williams, you look at uh, some of his numbers, and you compare him with Dominican Sue and Aaron Donald, and, and the numbers are ridiculous. You know, both you know all three of those guys won the Outland Trophy. Um, Quinton Williams finished eighth in the in the Heisman voting, and Dominican Sue was fourth place in the Heisman voting. Uh, you look at Quinton Williams, nineteen and a half tackles for loss, eight sacks, seventy-one tackles, very active. So check this out. 2009, Ndamukong and Sue, 85 tackles, 20 and a half tackles for loss, and 12 sacks. Okay? So if you go back one year, and you take a look at, at Sue's junior season, 76 tackles, 16 tackles for loss, and 7 and a half sacks. Aaron Donald. 2013 finished with 59 tackles, 28 and a half tackles for loss, and 11 sacks. 13th overall selection of the Rams. A year prior to that, 64 tackles, 18 and a half tackles for loss, and five and a half sacks. 
So you saw that 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 development year over year there. What could Quinn and Williams have done had he come back for his junior season? What kind of numbers would we have seen from the big man? His ability to affect the game, both with his quickness and his power, um, you know, it, it could have been scary, a scary proposition to really think of. And, and to me, he's one of the best players, if not the best player in this draft. There's no way if you're the Jets, you let him, you let him get by you. No way. At least you shouldn't. Number four, Oakland Raiders. Now this is a pick. Everyone's speculating. What's John Gruden going to do? Mike Mayock in his first draft. Um, what's going to happen here? You know, I'm really curious to see exactly where everything goes. Apparently, you know, supposedly they're they're very interested in in Kyler Murray, and and depending on what happens there at the top of the draft, maybe they they move on. You know, ultimately move on from Derek Carr. I just don't see that happening because, you know, frankly, they brought in uh, Antonio Brown. They brought in other other weapons. And, uh, you know, Mike Mayock went on to uh, the Rich Eisen show and said that uh, John Gruden basically told him not to screw things up. They got three picks in the first round. And uh, I think what they really need to focus on is that pass rush or lack thereof. 13 sacks. Are you kidding me? That's it. The next closest team had 30. That's 17, a 17, you know, uh, sack differential. It's, it's, you know, staggering what, uh, what they were able to, weren't able to do without uh, Khalil Mack. I think, you know, Oakland, there, there's this talk. I've seen some, some reports where, all right, the Raiders may have some surprise picks. I got one for you. You look at, at the, this draft class and there are certain guys that just jump out to you as um, who, who are your top five, top five players in the draft. And one of the guys that people have been talking about for quite some time is Ed Oliver out of Houston. I look at him and to me, it feels like a, a, a Mike Mayock type pick. I think this is a guy that Mayock would love to have. On his team, 6'2", 287, the junior, uh, so explosive uh, coming off the ball. Um, you know, when you compare, I, I compared his stats, um, you know, at, at the combine to what Aaron Donald did, you know, and, and weighing in at, at uh, 281 at his pro day, ran a 4.7340 with a 1.63 split compared with Donald's 4.6840 and a 1.59 split. Not too far off. Oliver ran a seven uh, seven one five three cone drill. Donald seven one one. Oliver ran a four two two short shuttle. Donald four three nine. So, yes, you know they're they're not the same player, and and the the comparisons are are ridiculous. But I just wanted to show just how gifted athletically he is. You can go on to YouTube and see all the, the footwork. You know, this is a guy who's going to be a, a quick penetrator, so quick off the ball. Uses his hands well, gets into the backfield in a hurry. Didn't really, you know, show that he could finish as a pass rusher, especially his junior season. It took him until the sixth game against East Carolina to get his first sack. We know this. But I think you get him in there as that interior penetrator, 
and then use either the 24th or 27th pick to go get yourself an edge rusher as well. You could sit there and t- use this pick on, on Josh Allen or Montez Sweat, um, but you're not going to find an interior lineman with the type of quickness that Ed Oliver has at 24 or 27. I think you know th- this feels like a Mike Mayock pick, and you know, spoiler alert with where I've got uh, them drafting later on, I got Cleveland Furl going 24. I got uh, at number 27, I have him taking Greedy Williams. And then at the top of round two, I believe it's pick number 35 overall, I've got him taking Josh Jacobs, get themselves a running back. So you shore up three positions on defense with guys who... You know, we're, we're top, you know, rated that, you know, near, at or near the top of their position. Then you get the top rated running back. If they do that, that's a home run for Mike Mayock. And I think it can happen. Number five, Tampa Bay. This is where I've had Devin Bush, I'm sorry, Devin White penciled in for quite some time. And with Josh Allen sitting there on the board, I think they have to get a pass rusher. I think when you look at the scenario, Todd Bowles, heavy 3-4 scheme. Um, I, I thought that that Devin White would be a perfect fit next to Levante David, who would definitely have to slide inside. Um, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul on the outside. There's Dayon Buchanan as a hybrid linebacker. Um, you also have Noah Spence. But I'm looking at, at, at Josh Allen. You pair him with JPP. And uh, I think that's critical to their success under Bulls Bulls's defense, you know. And Josh Allen really um, set the world on fire with 21 and a half tackles for loss and 17 sacks in his senior season, you know. Both of which, both of those numbers, bested his first three seasons combined. So explosive, you know. And and not only is he a pass rusher, he can play the run, sets the edge pretty well, and uh, can drop into coverage, um, you know, as well. 46340 at the combine. I look at him and I think you know that is exactly what Todd Bowles is looking for. You know, they're hoping that Josh Allen can fall to them. I think that'd be a great pick. Which leads us to number six, the New York football giants, as Chris Berman would say. You've got Eli Manning, but Eli Manning's you know, at the at the end of his his contract, this is his last year. You know, Eli is going to be your quarterback, and Dave Gettleman is on the record as saying that you know they're going to build for the future while also looking to win now. There's a lot of speculation that this pick could be used on a pass rusher, Montez Sweat, possibly even Brian Burns. I've seen, you know, the fact that they're enamored with Daniel Jones. That they might take him at either number six or 17. I think all of that's just a smokescreen, though. Because arguably the best quarterback in college football was Wayne Haskins. I was the first guy to pump the brakes on him at the beginning of the season. You know, I saw a guy who, yeah, he can sit there and run it through a crossing route. You know, to a wide open receiver, um, you know, hit a guy in stride and let him turn up the field. You know, a lot of his speedy receivers getting open. 
struggled a little bit under pressure, but uh, it was a three-game stretch in the middle of the season, especially during that Purdue game where they were under adversity, you know, you know, uh, major pressure, under adversity, and the running game disappeared during that three-game stretch. Dwayne Haskins put that team on his back and willed that team to wins over two, two out of those three games. And, you know, against the vaunted Michigan defense, what I mean, it was staggering what they were able to do. You know, he, he put up six touchdown passes in that game. I mean, this guy had 4,831 yards, 50 touchdowns, while completing 70% of his passes. Showed that he could throw the football down the field. Able to manipulate the pocket. Look, ran a 504-40 at the combine. But I, I think, you know, it's exaggerated that, you know, he's, all right, well, he's, he has to be slow. He's going to be a statue in the pocket. He can manipulate the pocket. Has very good pocket presence. Knows where to go with the football. And a lot of those crossing routes, you know, he was able to put the ball where his receiver can make a play. I don't care that he had some top-notch receivers, some guys that were running sub-4, 440s. You still have to hit the court, you know, you still have to hit that wide receiver. I look at a guy like Daniel Jones, and, you know, the, the excuses being made, he didn't have the guys that he was able to, you know, that other guys were able to throw to. And so because of that, you know, some of the decision-making, maybe he was processing things a little too quick. Um, you know, he doesn't have the arm strength. You know, you saw him at the combine, you know, just an average arm and really had to kind of do a couple of, of crow hops, um, you know, patting the ball a bunch of times uh, to ultimately uh, unlo- unload the football down the field. And then the decision-making, holding on to the ball too long, throwing the ball across his body late, over the middle. Just fundamental things that a quarterback should not do. But yet Daniel Jones, because he's coached by David Cutcliffe, he should be considered with this pick. Keep in mind, Dwayne Haskins learned from Ryan Day. Ryan Day has an NFL pedigree himself. And he dominated the second half. You know, so yes, he 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 was a one-year starter. But the second half of the season, he dominated. To me, if you're going to get a quarterback, you know, Dave Gettleman, look. You could sit there and take your your defensive player at number 6. But then what are you going to do? You're going to hope that your quarterback falls to 17? It's probably not going to happen. You probably have your backup to your backup to your backup plan at that point. So I, I think if you if you like a quarterback enough to take him at 17, you better just take him at 6 because there's no guarantee he's going to be there at 17. To me, Dwayne Haskins has to be the guy. I just don't know that he will. We'll see what happens. I'm still rolling the dice. Look, last year, I was saying to John Dorsey, Be smart. Take Baker Mayfield. I didn't trust what I was saying. And went Sam Darnold in my mock draft. Because I didn't think John Dorsey would actually do it. And he did. 
a lot of people don't think Dan, uh, that Dave Gettleman is going to take Dwayne Haskins. I'm saying that he needs to take him. And I'm sticking with that pick. Number seven, Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, everybody and their mom just about has them taken Juwan Taylor to play right tackle. Bookend with Cam Robinson. I'm looking at the logjam. You've got Will Richardson. You've got Cedric Abwehi. You know, they're at, at, at right tackle as well. Um, you know, so there, there's there's some players that you can line up there at the right tackle position. Do you really go tackle at number seven? Is Jawan Taylor worth the seventh overall pick? A right tackle. Is he worthy of that seventh overall pick? Jawan Taylor is not going to play left tackle in the league. I think it's a little too high. If Jacksonville truly wants Jawan Taylor, they trade out of the number seven spot. They trade down at that point, get out of the top 10. At that point, Jawan Taylor becomes good value. Before then, and I think they're reaching a little bit. If they stay at number seven, the guy will be TJ Hawkinson. The 6'5", 251-pound redshirt sophomore tight end who was the John Mackey Award winner given to the top uh, collegiate tight end. TJ Hawkinson is a complete tight end. You know, we, we know that. Um, Pro Football Focus noted that he posted a 190, uh, 139.1 passer rating when he was targeted. Highest among the tight ends. 37 of his 49 receptions went for a first down. Um, he's a, an effective weapon down the field, and I documented it you know, quite a few times in my podcast and in the mock draft that I'll be posting here on my website about his blocking prowess, just driving guys down the field, burying guys, just so physical at the point of attack. It's ridiculous. When you look at the Jags, they've got Jeff Swaim, Ben Koyak. You know, as their tight ends. That they are, are they really going to roll with that? I don't think so. You have a chance to take a guy in in the top 10. Yes, there have only been three tight ends taken in the top 10 since the, the year 2000. Kellen Winslow, number six overall in, 2014, in 2004. Vernon Davis, number six overall in 2006. And Eric Ebron, number 10 in 2014. I think T.J. Hawkinson is going to be the fourth. Not only because of the receiving, but the way that he's able to block, that physicality with which he plays, that's exactly what Jacksonville wants to be on offense. Number eight, Detroit. You know, they underperformed overall under Matt Patricia. Um, you know, they, they did end up with a legitimate number one wide receiver in Kenny Galladay. Carry on Johnson, you know, showed some promise there at the running back position. You know, if TJ Hawkinson is on the board, I think they will have to consider him. Um, I, I've seen talk that maybe they'll take Jonah Williams to possibly play guard or tackle, um, you know, even after taking Frank Ragnow um, a season ago. I just don't see that happening. You know, I, I'm looking at that pass rush. You know, they could have taken a corner here, but, you know, the corners, I, I don't think this is good value. I think they can get a corner in round two. Um, pass rush. Ziggy Ansah, Kerry Hyder, no longer there. Deshaun Hand, not really a pass rush. Romeo Aquara, yeah, I mean, he's he's nice and, you know, a nice little piece, 
but you know you needed a top flight pass rusher. You got Trey Flowers, but I think he needs a running mate. Montez Sweat ran that four four two forty at the combine, set a record for the fastest of any edge rusher. Ridiculous, right? Yes, he has the heart condition. You know, and we don't know where Detroit stands with that. Some teams supposedly weren't happy with it. And, uh, you know, not I shouldn't say weren't happy with it, but they were concerned enough to remove him from their board. But as long as teams take precaution, he'll be able to play. You know, he's got an enlarged heart. As long as they take the precautions, they should be fine. Ten and a half sacks, 14 and a half tackles for loss. Also a guy who can play the run very well. Uses his length to his advantage. Um, a guy who has not only the speed, but also the power. And I think that's what makes him a top 10 pick. Matt Patricia. You got one pass rusher. Get the other guy. Talk to Vance Joseph about having Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. San Francisco likely to have D. Ford and Nick Bosa. You have a chance to have Trey Flowers and Montez Sweat. Don't overthink it. This makes the most sense. At nine, the Buffalo Bills. Look, I know they'd love to have Ed Oliver sitting there at number nine uh, to replace Kyle Williams there at the three technique. I think they'd love to have that happen. Have an opportunity to potentially take TJ Hawkinson as well if he were to fall. You know, they do need a tight end now that Charles, uh, Charles Clay's gone. But I'm looking at the offensive line. Now, yes, you know, the Bills, you know, you, you, you look at them, you know, they've got Deion Dawkins. I thought his level of play drafted, you know, dramatically dropped off at left tackle. Um, you know, they, they did make some, some, some moves in free agency. Mitch Morse signed away from the Chiefs to play center. And then they get Adrian Waddle and uh, you know Ty Nishki. I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that right, um, but I think both of those guys are depth players. I don't see either of them starting. Then you're looking at you know Wyatt Teller. You know at left guard, he was underwhelming as a as a rookie. You know, it's just it's one of those things to where I think you can move potentially move Deion Dawkins over to the right side, put in Jonah Williams, and you get yourself you know um, you know an upgrade there at two positions by taking one guy in the draft. Six four three zero two, the thirty three and five eighths inch arms. You know, pe- you know people are concerned about the the short arms, but look, fundamentally sound offensive tackle. Plays with excellent pad level, knee bend, balance, excellent footwork. A guy who just plays with angles. Understands angles, and I think that's really what he uses to his advantage. And, and you know, here's, here's the thing for him. Joe Thomas had 32 and a half inch arms, but still played at a high level as an all-pro, future first ballot Hall of Famer. And he was the guy who had the movement skills, his ability to to use angles to his advantage, the hand placement. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking this is this makes way too much sense. Again, another pick where let's not overthink it. Josh Allen, your quarterback needs to be protected. 
and you can get an upgrade at two positions with one pick. Do it. Denver Broncos sitting there at number 10. Are they going to take a quarterback? John Elway really uh, has kind of struggled there at that quarterback position. You know, during the two seasons after Peyton Manning, Denver started Trevor, Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch. You know, was a first-round pick under Elway. Um, you know, 26th overall in, in 2016. You know, Brock Osweiler. You know, and they finished nine and seven and five and eleven with those guys at quarterback, finishing third and fourth in the AFC West during those seasons. Denver signs Case Keenum, fresh off that career year in Minnesota, two years, thirty-six million. Keenum just did not have that encore performance that they were hoping for. Finished with the 6-10 and 10 season, and the rest is history. Case Keenum now in Washington, and John Elway brings in Joe Flacco. 34-year-old Joe Flacco, currently under, under contract through 2021. I think John Elway is going to pass on a quarterback here. You know, they could take Drew Locke to be the successor to Joe Flacco. But look, you know, you really, you know, if you brought in Joe Flacco, I, I think Super Bowl winning quarterback, by the way, I, I don't know that the next move is going to be to take a, a quarterback again. I just, I, I don't see that happening. Maybe they take a quarterback in round two or three, possibly Will Greer, you know, maybe even a Brett Rippon a little bit later. Jarrett Stidham's out there. Um, but I just don't see them taking a quarterback at 10. What they think they are going to take, though, you've got Vic Fangio, former defensive defensive coordinator. I'm looking at you know him looking to try to bring guys in to really fit his scheme. I think they target an inside linebacker. Fangio had a rookie inside linebacker season ago in, in Roquan Smith with the Bears. And you saw the type of impact that Roquan Smith had. Devin White out of LSU is is a guy who can have that same type of impact. Heart and soul of the LSU defense. You know, a guy who is still learning the position and yet still had back-to-back seasons with over 120 tackles. Ran a 4-4-240 at the combine. Flies all over the field, sideline to sideline, shoots gaps in a hurry, you know, sinks his hips, cuts on a dime. Able to move over multiple, you know, more than one hole, moving laterally. Um, you know, does a great job um, attacking the football. Can drop into coverage a little bit. It's pretty smooth in his back back pedal. Um, six pass breakups in 2018, which doubled his output from the previous year. So he's continuing to learn, continuing to progress. And I think we've just scratched the surface for Devin White. Um, you know, imagine a defense with Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Devin White. It could absolutely happen. And Vic Fangio would be loving to get his hands on a defense like that. So Cincinnati at 11. I said I didn't think they were taking a quarterback. Really, you know, I said they weren't taking uh, weren't taking Josh Rosen. But I really don't think they are going to take a quarterback. I know Zach Taylor is going to want his own quarterback to be able to develop. You know, but I don't know that they use that number 11 overall pick either. Dalton's under contract through 2020. Set to make $33.9 million again. You know, if Drew Locke truly is Zach Taylor's guy, they may have to trade up to land him because there's probably going to be either the Dolphins or the Skins that look to trade up to get him. 
you know, now defensively, you know, there is there are the Devons, both Devin White and Devin Bush. And I think you know, with middle linebacker Preston Brown coming back, he was re-signed to a three-year deal, but with Vontez Burfecht gone, you know, they have a, a hole at the will. Even if Brown comes back, he's more likely just a two-down backer. I'm sorry, you know, with even with Brown coming back, just a two-down backer. If White or Bush is in there, you can play him at the will. And then when Brown comes off the field on passing situations, you allow Bush or White to team with Nick Vigil. Makes some sense too, right? But I think what, what Zach Taylor is really going to be looking for is an offensive line that's more physical than the group displayed in past years. You look at what the Rams did with their offensive line dominating at the point of attack for much of 2018. I think he's going to want to duplicate that. And uh, Jawan Taylor has that rare blend of speed, power, and quickness at the tackle position and is just a road grader there at, uh, you know, in the running game. You know, he's a true right tackle and a guy who is very physical at the point of attack, looking to dominate his opponents, um, you know, quick out of his stance, and then, again, buries guys. To me, that makes a ton of sense. You play him at right tackle. You know, you've got Cordy, Cordy Glenn at left tackle. You protect Andy Dalton, and you see what you got. At the end of the day, if Andy Dalton isn't going to be the franchise quarterback, it's kind of his last chance, then Zach Taylor goes and gets his quarterback. Number 12, Green Bay. I'm sure Green Bay would love to see TJ Hawkinson here get a tight end as a weapon for Aaron uh, Aaron Rodgers. And what's crazy, with Mike Mar- Mike McCarthy out, Matt LaFleur in as head coach, after back-to-back third-place finishes in the NFC North, Green Bay always drafted heavily on the defensive side of the ball under McCarthy. 10 out of the 12 first-round picks went on the defensive side of the ball. The only times that they went offense were tackles. Derek Sherrod and Brian Balaga. I think DK Metcalf is going to be in play. You need to get somebody uh, as a running mate for for Devontae Adams. I just think the receiving the receiving core, the depth there, I, I just don't see that happening. That line play has to improve in 2019 under the uh, new offensive line coach Adam Senovich. David Bakhtiari at left tackle is a top-level pass protector. Corey Lindsley, model of consistency with uh, over 2,400 consecutive snaps under his belt. Left guard Lane Taylor was dis- was disappointing in 2018, but I think he's you know you're expecting a bounce back year there for him. Right guard you've got Billy Billy Turner coming in. It's all about the health of, of a guy like uh, you know right tackle Brian Balaga. You know he's he's solid when he's healthy, but will he stay healthy? Cody Ford, especially if you have any issues there on the interior, Cody Ford could be this pick. Absolutely, keep keep Aaron Rodgers upright. Having that offensive-minded head coach, you think they're going offense, but if you got a guy like Devin Bush sitting there, you have a an athletic linebacker, possibly the best off-ball linebacker in the game, um, explosive playmaker. I, I think you have to take him. I really do. You know, this is a guy who just flies all over the field, a heat-seeking missile, and, and when you watch him play, you know, solid in all facets of the game, take some pressure off Blake Martinez, who had 144 tackles a season ago. They haven't had speed at the interior linebacker position in quite some time. 
this to me is is a no-brainer. You've got more picks to get offensive players. And again, with the receiving core and the tight end having deep uh, draft classes, you can pick up some pretty solid guys there on day two and be okay. Plus, you have the number 30 overall pick, which you can do something with there. 13, Miami Dolphins. Could this be where a quarterback goes? I, I Again, I still think Josh Rosen is going to, this is where Josh Rosen is going to end up now that Ryan Tannehill is gone. I think this pick really is going to come down to one of two positions. Now defensively, you know, they already finished 29th in the league in sacks with 31. But then you take out two edge rushers, Robert Quinn, Cameron Wake. They're no longer on the roster. Quinn had six and a half sacks, traded away to Dallas. Cameron Wake with six sacks, left in free agency. So former first-round disappointment, Charles Harris is now their top pass rusher. Brian Burns, Rashawn Gary, both could start immediately and be an upgrade for their pass rush. But with Jawan Taylor leaving for De- I'm sorry, Jawan James leaving for Denver in free agency, there's a hole at right tackle. I think you know veteran journeyman, you know Zach Stirrup, you know, was in his third season with the Dolphins after spending time on the practice squad of three other teams. Is Miami truly confident he's going to be the guy, you know, who's, he's only played in 12 games in the last three seasons. Is he, is he really going to be the guy that's going to hold things down? Now the starting guards, Jesse Davis, Isaac Asiata, also free agents at the end of the season, little depth behind them. I think a versatile offensive lineman like Cody Ford makes a ton of sense. Plus with the way that Cody Ford plays, that nastiness, that mean streak, that's going to help change that mentality up front. Brian Flores, look, get Cody Ford. He can play at a number of different positions there on your offensive line. You want to get physical? That's the guy you take. 14, Atlanta Falcons. I've had Christian Wilkins penciled in here for quite some time, ever since... Jeffrey Simmons went down to his knee injury in uh, a preseason workout. I'm sorry, a pre, uh, pre-combine workout. You know, I, I think they could go offensive line. But I think Tyson Brylow is going to get a chance to be that right tackle now that Ryan Schrader's been, um, been released. Jonah Williams, if he were to fall, could potentially be here as well. Um, Grady Jarrett, he was franchised. Um I think his future after this year, you know, there, there's going to be a question whether or not, you know, he will be brought back. I thought, you know, fourth round pick Deidre Sonat did a decent job filling in, you know, keeper there. There's little, little depth behind them, especially with uh, Terrell McLean as a free agent. Get an interior lineman. Christian Wilkins makes a ton of sense. A, a high character guy. You know, Thomas, Thomas Dimitrov. This makes a lot of sense. Dan Quinn, this is going to make a lot of sense. You get a, you get this guy who he can come in and be a, a leader on that defense right away. You know, just so, so explosive. You know, a guy plays all over the field. 
you know, can play, can line up at, at, at defensive end, at defensive tackle. Um, you know, fifth player in Clemson history to be named a unanimous All-American. Joining the likes of uh, Gaines Adams, Daquan Bowers, Terry Kennard, and C.J. Spiller, all of whom were first-round picks. You know, and also not only is he a, a a standout on the field, he's also a standout off the field as well. You know, all the the work that he does in the community. It was a, a kindergarten teacher at one point. Um, you know, in in his off season. To me. This is a no-brainer. If Christian Wilkins is sitting there on the board, you take him. And there's a chance Atlanta may trade up to ensure they get him. Number 15, the Washington Redskins. This is where I have Drew Locke going. Although I don't think it will be at 15. I think the Washington Redskins may trade up to get their quarterback of the future. Drew Locke, 6'4", 228 pounds. You know, why would you go Drew Locke? Well, as I mentioned, Washington, you know, they were 6-3 and three leading the NFC East. Alex Smith having a you know, pretty solid season after signing that five-year $94 million contract. Then he sustains a Joe Theismann-type compound leg fracture. Um, not only ended his season, but jeopardized his career following a subsequent battle with an infection. He's 34 years of age, not expected to return. You've got Colt McCoy on the roster. Case Keenum was brought in as well. Uh, we've seen what happened with Case Keenum. You know, kind of a one-year wonder there in, in Minnesota. I don't think he can. You know, he's necessarily going to be that answer. He's kind of the stopgap for now. I think you know the Redskins have to come out of this draft with the quarterback. And if Drew Locke is their guy, and I think they, I think that he is, they may trade up. They may look to the Bills. They may look to the Jags. Especially if the Jags are interested in an offensive tackle. This might be the, the, the way that they go. You could trade down to 15 and still land an offensive tackle. It'll be interesting. If the Redskins stay put, they may not get a quarterback you know, that, they, that they covet. But they could get Brian Burns. The team with Ryan Kerrigan, who yet again had a monster year. 13 sacks to lead the defense. But look, you know, I, I don't think that pass rusher, I think quarterback is still going to be the focus. You know, that a pass rusher, when you've got Jonathan Allen recording eight and a half sacks, Matt Ioannidis, seven and a half, Deron Payne with five sacks, and then you got Kerrigan with 13. I mean, that's that's four guys right there that were very productive pass rushers. You can add another guy to the mix, and I think they will at some point. Uh, because he's, you know, Kerrigan's going to need a running mate, you know, opposite him. But man, get that quarterback, get Drew Locke. You know, he's a guy who has continued to develop, you know, while he was there at Mizzou, and uh, you know, I think he's put it all together. Finally, threw over sixty percent, you know, completion percentage, and uh, you know, he's got that swagger. Got that moxie, you know, thing, you know, that's what you really want to see out of quarterbacks. I think he's the type of guy, he's a senior, a four-year starter. I think he could come in and really galvanize that uh, that locker room. Um, I think that's the right pick. 16, Carolina Panthers. Oh, boy. 
you know, at first I thought that this pick was going to be Garrett Bradbury because Ryan Khalil retired, but then they brought in Matt Paradis to be the center. You know, Daryl Williams was re-signed one year, one year deal after messing up his knee, uh, starting opposite Taylor Moten. A lot of people looking at Taylor Moten. Is he going to be the guy there um, to play left tackle? Actually had a decent year last year. Uh, Trey Turner going to be the right guard. They need an upgrade at left guard. And then potentially a guy who's going to fill in for, for Daryl Williams. So Cody Ford does make sense here. I think you need to get a versatile lineman at some point in the draft. Not necessarily here, though. Uh, wide receiver position going to be an area of need now that Devin Funches is gone, but you really de- draft a receiver back-to-back years after taking uh, DJ Moore. I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, really what I'm looking at here for Carolina, 40% of their sacks, and they sacked the quarterback 35 times, which is good for just 27th in the league, 40% of those sacks were by two players. Mario Addison had nine, Julius Peppers with five. Now, Peppers, a future first ballot Hall of Famer, calls his quits after a 17-year career. I saw him finish third in the all-time sack list, left a void opposite Addison. They bring in Bruce Irvin, signed to address the knee, but it's only a one-year deal. So he'll be a free agent at the end of the season, as will Addison. You add a pass rusher like Brian Burns, not only in the mix right now, but someone, you know, it's some insurance in the event they're not able to re-sign either Addison or Irvin or both. You know, and, and we talked about the offensive tackle position. What's interesting, I actually expected the Patriots, or I'm sorry, the Panthers to go corner, then wide receiver with their first two picks in 2018. But the depth at the corner position on day two was enough for the Panthers to then select DJ Moore and, uh, and then take Dante Jackson with their second pick. I think depth this year's offensive tackle is actually on day two, and the drop-off on the perimeter edge rushers is enough that Carolina ends up using this pick on Burns. You know, a very explosive pass rusher. You know, he put on the size. You know, he his freshman year was playing at 218. He's now 249, still running a 4 5 340. Um, explosive coming off the edge. You know, what's crazy is, you know, it's been 11 years since they drafted a tackle, but the last time they took a defensive end in round one, was actually Julius Peppers back in 2002. It's crazy. He, Julius Peppers just retired. He was drafted in 2002. 17 years. Going to be weird not seeing him there on the on the football field, but you know, I think Brian Burns, you know, that speed coming off the edge makes a ton of sense. Now the Giants, we talked about what the Giants were doing there at number six. And I said, you got to find a pass rusher at some point. At 17, you know, 17, they could go receiver. You know, they, they, they traded away Odell Beckham Jr. And, uh, you know, you've got a guy like uh, Golden Tate, who's just like Sterling Shepard. You know, and, and, you know, if Ed Oliver's sitting there at six, you know, it's possible that, he could fill the same type of role that Olson Pierre did, you know, at 293 pounds, racked up five and a half sacks in James Betcher's defense, you know, shooting gaps, making plays in the backfield. That's what Oliver did, you know, quite well. Now, Rashawn Gary, 6'4", 277. You know, the big thing for me with, with Rashawn Gary, and I've been saying it all along, I don't see the production. The potential 
and the production, they just don't match. Gary, though, you know, at the 6'4", 277, ran a 4'5", 840, very explosive, fastest among the defensive linemen, would have been fourth fastest among edge rushers as well. He has the potential to be great, but I've been waiting for that production to really match it. You know, in 2017, as a sophomore, 58 tackles, 11 for loss, 5.5 sacks, really waiting for him to take that next step forward. But 38 tackles, 6.5 uh, tackles for loss, 3.5 sacks in just 9 games. Shoulder injury caused him to miss a month of action, really slowed him down. When he was on the field, I thought that you know Chase Winovich and, and Devin Bush really outplayed him. Which is why I think his draft, you know, his draft stock slides a little bit. But if James Betcher can get him, you know, really get the most out of him, really light a fire, this could be a steal. You know, he could also end up being a bust. But this could be a steal. You know, again, if he can live up to that potential, that's a big if. But if I'm Dave Gettleman. I'm talking about building for the future and building for now. Your future has to be the quarterback, and it has to be Dwayne Haskins. Let him learn for a year under Eli, take over in 2020. You've got your 3-4 defense. Rashawn Gary can play up front, get after the quarterback. You can get another edge rusher later on. You can't take Cleveland Farrell here. Cleveland Farrell is more of a 4-3 defensive end. You know, I think Rashawn Gary is, is going to be the play. Minnesota at number 18. You know, what are they going to do? Well, let's take a look. Offense finished 20th overall and a dismal 30th on the ground. Now, they signed Josh Klein to take over the right guard spot, but I still think the offensive line needs to be addressed. Brian O'Neill shows promise at right tackle. Please don't move him to left tackle. Keep him at right tackle. I think that's where he belongs. Center Pat Elfline going to be holding down the middle again, holding down the pivot. Um, the Mike Remmers experiment didn't work on the inside. I think what's going to end up happening, though, is you got left tackle Riley Reef. I think you kick him inside to guard. So now you've got O'Neal at right tackle. You've got uh, Josh Klein at right guard. You've got Pat Elfline at center. You've got Riley Reef at left guard. You need a tackle. Andre Dillard, 6'5", 315 out of Washington State, the best pure pass protector in the draft. Excellent hands. Very effortless with his movements, natural knee bender, um, nimble feet. Very smooth in his kick, kick slide, beats speed rushers to the edge. More of a finesse guy, can get pushed back a little bit. Gave up just one sack on 722 pass attempts, according to, or I'm sorry, pass snaps, according to Pro Football Focus. Needs more power, but he's all about protecting the quarterback. You know, and to give Kirk Cousins a fair shake, you got to be able to protect. And I think getting Andre Dillard, again, could potentially improve yourself in multiple positions. Tennessee Titans. Mike Vrabel, first year as head coach, 9-7. and seven. That was the third consecutive season that they hit 9-7. and seven. Brian Arakpo retired. Derek Morgan's a free agent. Um, they could take someone to uh, team with Harold Landry, though the addition of Cameron Wake does kind of temper that just a little bit. 
Uh, they could potentially find a running mate for Jarrell Casey. But uh, I think really the, the issue is going to be what are you going to do around Marcus Mariota? The jury's still out on whether he is the answer. Okay. He's thrown more interceptions, 27, than touchdowns, 24, in the last two seasons. Has a number seven running game at his disposal with Derrick Henry enjoying his first 1,000-yard season. He's got Corey Davis emerging as a, as a go-to target on the outside. Tight end Delaney Walker, though, broke his ankle, sustained ligament damage in his first game of the season. Uh, he's going to be 35 years of age when the season starts, so you know he might be losing a step in his return from a major major injury. Noah Fant could potentially be the guy here. We've never seen a tight end, you know, two tight ends taking it in the top 19 picks, but this year could very well be the year. You know, it's one of those things. Antonio Gates slowed by by his lower leg injuries, and uh, his his play really dropped off when he after he turned 35. So Tennessee has to have that mindset with, you know, they can't rush Walker back. So Fant does make a lot of sense. They could also go receiver, you know, especially with DK Metcalf sitting out there on the board. You get receiver uh, to go with Corey Davis, especially with, you know, Tajay Sharp and, and Taiwan Taylor more as um, role players. Marquise Hollywood Brown talked about the Liz Frank injury already, um, but he could be that vertical threat. I just think... Especially with you know losing Josh Klein, you have that hole at right guard. You know you do have Taylor Lewan, you have Jack Conklin, you have Roger Saffold, who you signed away from the Rams. Now Ben Ben Jones, according to Pro Football Focus, he gave up more sacks than any other center a season ago. So I wouldn't rule out Garrett Bradbury here, who could play guard right away and then move over to to center if they're unhappy with Ben Jones. You know, because Jones is in the last year of his career, of his contract. But Chris Lindstrom, I think he's a plug-and-play guard. I think he's the best interior lineman in this draft. Four-year starter, uh, very a- a- athletic. Um, you know, a guy who's so quick out of his stance, natural knee bender, lateral quickness to quickly slide and, and keep his man in front. Um, you know, versatile. You know, eleven of his forty-seven starts were at right tackle. Um, you know, I think he does lack some size and strength. You know, I think he does get overpowered at the point of attack. And, uh, you know, he doesn't always sustain his blocks. Defenders will kind of slip the block and make a play on the football. But the athleticism, his agility, his ability to, to climb to the next level, I think you put you put him in that running game and, uh, you know, I think he's going to excel. But he can also pass block, which I think, you know, is something that you're definitely going to need for, for Marcus Mariota. You really need to give Marcus Mariota all the time that he needs in the next couple of years, because you need to really figure out what you're going to do at the quarterback position. Is he really the answer or is it time to move on? Chris Lindstrom, 19 to the Tennessee, 6'4", 308 out of Boston College. Number 20, how about Byron Murphy out of Washington? 5'11", 190 pounds, redshirt sophomore corner. So here's the deal. You know, turnovers are costly. Offense gave the ball away 26 times, you know, 17 interceptions, 9 fumbles, 7th highest total in the league. The defense, on the other hand, they ranked in, in the top 10 in total yards per game, rush defense, pass defense, sacks, but they lack playmakers. Just 15 turnovers, 8 interceptions, 7 fumbles. Minus 11 turnover ratio. That's a big reason why the Steelers struggled down the stretch. 
The addition of Mark Barron at inside linebacker kind of tempers the need there. I think really what you're looking at, you know, Joe Hayden um, picked off two of the, the eight passes, uh, had another 12 pass, uh, passes defended. Um, Artie Burns just, you know, his play has dropped off tremendously in 2018, failed to pick off a single pass, finished with just one pass breakup. It's just not getting done. Um, you know, Steven Nelson, you know, was, was brought in. Um, he had a, had a solid year there for the chiefs. I think he's going to end up being the starter, uh, season ago, four interceptions, 15 pass breakups. But I think Kevin Col- Colbert, the GM of the Steelers is going to be looking for depth, at the cornerback position. Um, I think Byron Murphy can start right away as a, uh, as a, um, you know, nickel or slot, uh, corner, and then potentially get a starting job, depending on what happens with Joe Hayden, um, as he continues to progress through his career, you know, Byron Murphy, I think the most instinctive of the uh, defensive backs or the, the corners, you know, four five five speed. He is only five eleven, so he doesn't have ideal size, doesn't have ideal speed, but uh, so instinctive. Does a great job reading the quarterbacks, understands the routes very well, puts himself in a position to make a play. I think at the end of the day, there, that's the right pick. Twenty one. Seattle Seahawks. Now I'm going to save this pick until the end because Seattle likes to go come out of left field a little bit with some of their picks. Earl Thomas is gone. We know what he's done for them. I think they could be looking at a at a replacement there, but I think they can use the pick that they got from the Chiefs and the Frank Clark trade to get their safety. Uh, Doug Baldwin. You know, his health is so concerning, he's considering retirement. You can get another playmaker there at receiver, especially with DK Metcalf sitting out there. That's a possibility. If if Baldwin doesn't return, essentially you're replacing 17.9% of their receptions in 2018. Um but look, you know, with Russell Wilson signing the four-year, $140 million uh, extension, that makes him the highest-paid quarterback in the league. So Seattle needs to protect their investment. You know, Pro Football Focus noted that Wilson's been sacked on at least 7% of his dropbacks in each of his pro, uh, seasons as a pro. 299 sacks since joining the league in 2012 is more than any other quarterback. Now, Dwayne Brown, Jermaine Effetti, they're playing tackle. Mike uh, Upati was brought in to play left guard, aging veteran, battled injuries the last couple of years. DJ Fluker resigned, but Pro Football Focus rated him as the 16th offensive guard overall. Um, I, I think this could be where Chris Lindstrom, Garrett Bradbury, Eric McCoy could all be in play as the top interior lineman. But look, the pass rush, now that Frank Clark is gone, no more Frank Clark. Here's kind of the deal. They did finish 2018 with 43 sacks, but the duo of Clark and Jaron Reed had half that output between the two of them with 23 and a half sacks. No other player had three three sacks, uh, more than three sacks. Now that he's gone, you know Schneider and Carroll are going to use this pick to land a top defensive end, but I don't think it's going to be Cleveland Furl, who might be the top-rated defensive end. Now you see, Seattle is known for marching to the beat of their own drum when it comes to their first-round picks under Schneider and Pete Carroll. Look no further than the last four first-rounders. Guard James Carpenter, number 25 overall in 2011. Defensive end Bruce Irvin, number 12 overall in 2012. 
Jermaine Effetti, number 31 in 2016. And running back Rashad Penny, number 27 overall in 2018. All four of those guys, you know, three out of the four were probably second rounders. And then Bruce Irvin, taken as high as he was, despite his lack of size, um, you know, had a lot of people really questioning that pick. I think this pick is going to end up being Jalen Ferguson out of Louisiana Tech. The sack daddy, as he's known, because he broke Terrell Suggs' record for sacks, uh, you know, FBS, sacks in the FBS. 45 sacks. 67 and a half tackles for loss as well, by the way. You know, he's so intelligent and, and savvy when it comes to rushing the passer, understands angles, um, a, a guy who uses his hands very well, can convert speed to power. You know, he is kind of stiff in the hips, so he's more of a kind of a one-track guy. You don't really see him with a lot of counter moves or being able to plant and cut back inside. But uh, a guy who's just relentless in, in his pursuit of the football, knows how to get to the quarterback. It just feels like a Seattle pick. So I'm going with it. Number 22, Baltimore Ravens. Man, they got to go receiver, right? I, th- I think they have to. Um, you know, Willie Snead was the only receiver on the roster with 40 passes uh, hauled in a season ago. The other three receivers, Chris Moore, Jordan Lastly, Jaleel Scott. Moore was the only one to really see the field, caught just 19 passes, 196 yards, and a touchdown, while Jaleel Scott spent time on IR with a, with a hamstring injury. Lamar Jackson needs help, and I think this is where DK Metcalf goes. Now, the legend of DJ, DK Metcalf really began with a pre-combine photo. The chiseled physique did not even look like a receiver. He looked more like a linebacker. Uh, 6'3", 228 pounds, still ran a 4'3", 340, which is insane, for a guy that big, 40 and a half inch vertical leap, bench press 225, 28 times, um, rare blend of size, strength, and speed. Um, you know, 33 and three quarters inch arms as well. Um, just a guy who is, I'm sorry, 34 and seven eighths inch arms. You know, when you compare him to like even say Julio Jones, who ran a 439. 6'2", 220 pounds, arm length of uh, 34 and 3 quarters inches, rep 225, 17 times, 38 and a half inch vertical leap. You know, but the thing is, is at the same time, when you compare those things to, you know, those stats, those numbers, to what he ran in the, the three-cone drill and the short shuttle among the slowest, can he sink his hips? You know what he can do. He can get vertical in a hurry. Absolutely. Very quick, powerful hands at the point of attack to get off uh, off the jam, and then he's going to accelerate by you. Use that four three three speed to get vertical on you. But can he run any other routes? You know, he, he wasn't given it. You know, um, Ole Miss did not do him any favors with the with the offense. Really limited with the route tree. Um, but he, he's an athlete, man. You know, the biggest thing is is he's coming off of that neck injury, broke his neck, and. Uh, that cut short a season. Got a clean bill of health. He's coming back just fine. But you do have, you know, uh, some of that, the durability, you know, red flag for him. I think he has all the ability in the world to be an all-pro wide receiver. 
could very well go up, come off the board in the top half of the first round. But I think he's got some work to do. Has a ways to go. Um, you know, if you think about it, you know, he's got three years of college football under his belt, and two of those were cut short due to injury. So I think whichever, you know, I think Baltimore taking him here, be patient, need to be willing to take the good with the bad early on. Um, but you can't teach what this kid has with the size and the speed and everything else. You know, you just hope that he does pan out and then he doesn't end up being a guy like uh, Darius Hayward Bay, you know, a top 10 pick because of his speed, but just never really panned out. 23, Houston Texans. They're going off to tackle, right? Why wouldn't they? They got to keep Deshaun Watson upright, right? This guy's already had two ACLs, uh, two, two ACL tears, once in 2014 as a true freshman at Clemson and once as a rookie in 2017 past season sacked 62 times 62 times 126 hits more than any other quarterback and took so many hits that he had to play through a bruised lung and injured ribs what in the world if you really want to keep that quarterback on the field you have to take care of him you know Chantrell Henderson the right tackle was signed signed to a one-year deal but he's been battling injuries has to prove that he can stay out on the field Left tackle Julian Davenport, slow to develop as a starter. So that instability at tackle was the reason why they brought in Matt Khalil, another guy who was a former top 10 offensive tackle, released by the Panthers, another injury-filled season, kind of a low-risk, high-reward type of a thing. And, uh, you know, I think by bringing him in, you've got three tackles right there on the roster. You could potentially bring in another one, depending on if, you know, Andre Dillard is there. But how about the cornerback position? Corners, you know, they finished 28th in the league versus the pass. So they ultimately let Kareem Jackson, Kevin Johnson go. They did bring in a nickel corner and Bradley uh, Bradley Roby. But, you know, especially when you've got 13-year vet Jonathan Joseph, 34 years of age, entering the final year of his contract, you got to find a corner at some point. And I think they go to DeAndre Baker, 5'11", 193 pounds. You know, this is a guy... You know, we talked about it in uh, in the last episode, breaking down the secondary. You know, this is a guy who had a 28-game streak without giving up a touchdown. Last touchdown that he gave up was in the 2016 Liberty Bowl. Just ridiculous. Um, you know, he goes up against the opposing team's top receiver, especially in the SEC, locks him down. I think this would be a great pick to shore up that secondary. Um, you know, especially when you've, you know, you, you look at it 28th in the league against the pass, you need to do something about that. You already lost two of your corners. You know, you potentially are going to lose another one at the end of the season. You got to invest in the future. And, uh, Deandre Baker makes a lot of sense. You know, to me, he's a top corner, top, you know, pure cover corner in the draft. Oakland 24. I talked about Cleveland Furl. So we won't spend too much time here. But Cleveland Furl is a guy who, you know, has just continued to develop. Spurned the NFL after his redshirt sophomore season in 2017. Comes back, 53 tackles, 19 and a half for for loss, 11 sacks. A guy who does a great job setting the edge against the run as well. Not as explosive as some of the other guys, but, you know, you get your interior guy with Ed Oliver at four. Now you're getting your edge rusher in Cleveland Furl. I think right there... Win-win situation already. 
because you're up, upgrading that pass rush that was just you know ridiculous a season ago, just 13 sacks. Um, Furl makes a lot of sense. I think that would be a nice pickup there if he's sitting there at number 24. No guarantee um, that he would be, but who would be if he's gone? Possibly Brian Burns. And I think they'd take him in a heartbeat. Let's see, number 25 overall, Philadelphia Eagles. A lot of people have them penciled in taking a defensive tackle. And I think that absolutely could happen. You know, one of the things with with Philly is, you know, they, they've got, you know, Fletcher Cox. They brought in Malik Jackson. This could potentially be where Jeffrey Simmons comes off the board. You know, Jeffrey Simmons has the ACL tear plus uh, the simple assault for punching a woman multiple times as a Mississippi State recruit. Um, wasn't suspended at all. I think ultimately Simmons is probably going to end up in Philly, but he'll be a, a, a second round pick. You know, the ACL tear a lot of times is going to drop you to round number two. We saw that with Jalen Smith. We saw that with Miles Jack. And then Joe Mixon punched that girl, um, you know, on uh, in the restaurant and uh, was suspended for a season by OU. He ended up falling to round number two. So, He's got kind of a double whammy. To me, I don't think he's going to come off the board in round one. Um, some people have Dexter Lawrence going off the board here. But look, Dexter Lawrence is more of a run stuffer. And run stuffers don't traditionally get taken in round number one. So I'm looking at the offensive line. Yes, you could go offensive tackle. Jason Peters did sign a one-year deal, but he's 37 years of age. He's battled injuries. This could be his last year. And uh, Halapuli Vadi Vaitai... If he's going to be free agent at the end of the season, proved that he couldn't be a full-time replacement. So you could find an offensive tackle, possibly Greg Little, but I think he'll be available there on day two. I think they're set on the interior with Jason Kelsey at center, left guard Isaac Samalo. They both signed extensions. Then you have right guard Brandon Brooks, who's under contract through 2020. But Brooks tore his Achilles in the NFC Championship game likely missing a portion of 2019 while he's doing the rehab. No depth behind him. How about you add Garrett Bradbury to the mix? Immediate starter at at guard should uh, Brooks not be able to go to start the season. Long term, he'll push Brooks and Sumalo. uh, And Sumalo was was benched at one point in favor of Stevan Wisniewski. um, Potentially get a starting spot there. And then he was also an All-American center. Let's not forget that. The Remington Award winner. Could easily slide inside, you know, slide in, inside to the pivot. Should Kelsey have a breather, you know, need a breather, or potentially, do, you know, goes down to injury, especially given the fact that he battled an MCL strain, a broken foot, and a torn elbow last season, um, even considered retirement at some point. I think this is kind of that investment, that insurance policy, a guy who could potentially uh, take over a starting spot uh, there at guard right away. And then potentially be the replacement there for Jason Kelsey. 26, Indianapolis, the Colts. I've had A.J. Brown penciled in here for quite some time. They do need a guy to take some pressure off of T.Y. Hilton, Eric Ebron. They did bring in Devin Funches on the outside. A.J. Brown would be that perfect guy manning the slot. But they also, I think they can get Brown at the top of round two. They have the the second pick in, in round number two. I think A.J. Brown would be that guy. Um, 49ers, watch out for them potentially trying to trade above uh, Indy, you know, that second pick to potentially get A.J. Brown. 
Um, Colts also resigned um, Marcus Hunt, the defensive tackle, teaming with the uh, Danica Watry. These are two big, powerful guys. They really don't have that versatile defensive tackle with the quickness to penetrate the line of, line of scrimmage on run plays, and then also be an interior pass rusher who can collapse the pocket in a hurry. I look at Jerry Tillery. I think he's a guy who is a uh, is a versatile defensive lineman. I think he can play the run very well, and. Uh, you know, all you have to do is put on that Stanford game where he had four sacks just beating up Nate Herbig, um, the, the the guard there for the Cardinal. And, uh, you know, you'll see what I'm talking about as a pass rusher. Uh, 6'4", 295 out of Notre Dame. Um, I think he's a guy who can come in and potentially, you know, challenge for a starting spot right away. Um, if not, I think he'd at least be a nice rotation player, but eventual starter. 27, Oakland, their third pick. I got him taking Greedy Williams, and look, you know, I, I think this would be a great pick, you know, um, if they they took Noah Fant. Um, you look at, at, you know, Jared Cook taking off for New Orleans. We know what Derek Derek, uh, Derek Carr did with with Jared Cook a season ago, uh, with Cook having a career year. But now the tight ends on the roster: Lee Smith, Derek Carrier, Luke Wilson, and Darren Waller. None of them strike fear at any opposing defenses at all. So Noah Fant stretching defenses up the seam. That would make a ton of sense here, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they use it on a corner, especially if Greedy falls here. That position manages four of their 14 interceptions a season ago. You know, I think Garyon Conley has locked down the starting spot on one side. Nevin Lawson signed to be the nickel, but another running back, on the outside is a must, especially considering only Conley and Nick Nelson are under contract beyond this season. And if Greedy Will- uh, Williams is sitting there, you know I know he's a guy that doesn't want to get physical, is a guy that doesn't really do a whole lot of tackling, but uh, the talent is real. The talent is there. Ran a four three nine forty at the combine. Excellent length. The guy who can lock down guys on the outside. Um, you know, Mike Mayock, man, you can get three defensive picks. Three guys, again, a lot of people are high on Greedy Williams to the point where they call him the number one corner in this year's draft. You can get the number one corner, the number two defensive tackle, and a top five defensive end all in this draft in the first round. And then, you know, like I said, top of round two, get the number one running back. That's an A draft already. I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, you can you shore up the front end, you know, the defensive front, you shore up the back end of your defense, then you go offense. Number 28, the Chargers. They could go one of two ways with this one. I think up front, you know, Brandon Meebane re-signed a two-year deal, but he missed four four games. Um only played a full season once in the last last five seasons. Uh Damian Square, Corey Legette, you know, they're gone. Um, you know, really leaving Justin Jones and Isaac Rochelle as the remaining defensive tackles on the roster. I think if Jerry Tillery's here, he'd get consideration, as would uh, Draymond Jones out of Ohio State, maybe even Dexter Lawrence. But here's the deal Philip Rivers, you know, isn't getting any younger. You got to keep him upright. And uh, Sam Tevy, the right tackle, pro football focus. Noted that he gave up 41 hurries, 12 hits, 8 sacks on 483 pass block snaps. Overall pass blocking efficiency score of 92.9 was third worst in the NFL. Flip side, Dalton Reisner out of K-State. Efficient 
efficient blocker. Held up well in pass protection at the Senior Bowl, showing good lateral quickness and hand usage. So the the lack of foot speed, I think, was kind of quelled there somewhat. Uh, reminds you a lot of Cody for or I'm sorry, Cody Whitehair there for for K State. Um, you know, I think his versatility is going to help with the Chargers. But uh, if you just put it on the tape of him against Montez Sweat against Mississippi State in Week Two. Uh, K-State did lose 31-10. Reisner had a lot of snaps against the more athletic wet, uh, Sweat and more than held his own, um, using angles and body control to really square up Sweat and then use that strength and solid, uh, solid base to anchor and hold his ground. And really, Sweat really only, got, uh, only beat him when the two quarterbacks, Skylar Thompson and Alex Delton, scrambled into the pass rush. I think he can start right away there. Would be an immediate upgrade at right tackle. And uh, I think Phillip Rivers would be quite happy. Seattle finally get, you know, they get another pick. Now they're up to five picks in the first round. I'm sorry, in, in this draft, two in the first round. And uh, I mentioned that that Ed, uh, Earl Thomas is gone. They need to find his replacement. And, uh, you know, what's, what's interesting I actually have them peg it, you know, to take Chauncey Gardner Johnson out of out of Florida, 5'11", 210 pounds, the junior, very versatile, can play safety, um, you know, on, on you know a deep safety, he can play in the box as a as a hybrid linebacker, um, he can play you know a little in the slot as a slot corner, um, just really a hybrid player who can play all over the field. I think the versatility is something that uh, Seattle would enjoy. Um, you know, they need that safety help. And to me, this guy is the best safety because he can play a multitude of positions and uh, you know show a lot, a lot of different looks, really find the best mismatch, and uh, that would be where, where uh, CGJ will play. Um, I think to me, this makes a ton of sense. Number 30, Green Bay. This is where Noah Fant goes. I think you know, Matt LaFleur, he's going to want to Start adding some weapons there for Aaron Rodgers, especially you know Randall Cobb catching passes for Dak Prescott in in Dallas. Now the thing with it is, is Jimmy Graham signed that three-year deal uh, worth thirty million dollars prior to the twenty eighteen season. Uh, he's thirty two years of age. Didn't really make the impact that we were expecting. Um, you know, according to Spot Track, Graham's cap hit uh, is at twelve point six million. Uh, if he's and if he's released this year. They'd be facing uh, 7.3 million in dead cap total, so you know he, he managed just a pair of touchdowns a season ago, just one year removed from 10 touchdowns in, in 2017. Um, even if he finds a stride in 2019, they they would benefit from bringing another tight end. Um, you know, I, I talk about you know on uh, my mock draft, um, we saw what uh, Philly did. You know, adding another tight end to the mix, they drafted Alex Goddard to time uh, to team with. With Zach Ertz, um, you know, and, and you look at Ertz. Obviously, he had 116 receptions, over a thousand yards. Um, I look at Goddard. He was the fourth leading receiver on the team. 33 passes, uh, hauled in 334 yards and four touchdowns. You know, I, I think Fant can at least make that same type of an impact. A guy who's a we- you know he's a weapon up the seam, out on the outside, a red zone nightmare. Can leap very well out of the building. Excellent body control along the sideline. And uh, look, you know, he's not the blocker that T.J. Hawkinson is, but I think he can, he can hold up and hold his own a little bit. Number thirty-one, the L.A. Rams, the NFC champs. You know, John Sullivan, the center, is gone. Um, they also need help at uh, at inside linebacker. Um, you know, they could potentially go for um, 
a, a guy that can man the defensive front. You know, I think Draymond Jones could potentially be a guy. Um, I think at the end of the day, when I'm looking at the Rams, without John Sullivan there, they're looking at a looking at a center. Eric McCoy out of Texas A&M, 6'4", 303. Uh, the junior was a three-year starter, played in all 39 games, very powerfully built, um, anchors very well, but he's also athletic to handle speed rushers. Most impressive attribute is his ability to pull, really fires out of his stance, could be a lead blocker for the running back. I don't know how many times he was a lead blocker for Travion Williams, and it was his block that he was able to cut off um, in the open field to make a big run. Plus, his 4.8940 at the combine was fastest among the offensive linemen, proves he can get down the field in the hurry, um, often when he climbed to the second level, he was able to spring the running back for some big gains as well. Exceptional balance, lateral quickness. I think this would be a nice fit. McCoy would be a plug-and-play type of a guy and could be you know, a center in the league for a decade. And finally, number 32, the New England Patriots. Do they stay here? Do they trade out? they got 12 picks already. Are they really going to trade out? I, I just don't see that happening. Um, look, you know, they could be grooming the, the, the next quarterback of the future. Brady's going to be 42 years of age at the start of the 2019 season. So he says he wants to play until he's 45, but you figure, are they going to groom his re- eventual replacement? Um, only Brian Hoyer and, and Danny Etling on the roster. You know, they could make a play for Daniel Jones or Will Greer at the end of round one. Um, sit behind Brady, much like Aaron Rodgers did behind Brett Favre from, uh, 2005 to 2007 before taking over in 20, uh, 2008. Um, I think Brady would be 44 to start the 20, uh, 2021 season. So I think that timing right now feels about right. If that's uh, you know what they're going to do defensively, just 30 sacks, you know, good for a tie for 30th overall. Uh, the defense finished 22nd in the league overall. Uh, Trey flowers is now in Detroit defensive tackles. Malcolm Brown and Danny Shelton are gone. Um, I think w- one of those positions could be the pick here. You know, whether it's Zach Allen, Charles Amenahu, I think both of those guys can be got. You know, it could be had there in the second round. Um, they did pick up Michael Bennett, so that kind of tempers that need just a little bit. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they took a shot at Jeffrey Simmons. Um, you know, that stock dropping just a little bit. Um, you know, they they showed that they can rebound. When one of their top draft picks goes down to injury, you know, like uh, Isaiah Wynn, when he went down with his Achilles tear, he was going to be the left tackle and uh, they were able to improvise. I think they, you know, everything came out okay for uh, for the Pats there. But then there's a retirement of Gronk. Rob Gronkowski battled injuries throughout his his career. Uh, I think it would be considered a Hall of Fame career. I think Irv Smith Jr., can end up being that combo tight end, a guy who can be a weapon down the field, can get, you know, runs a variety of routes there for, for Bama. Um, excellent hands. Posted a 4.6340 at the combine and a pretty good, pretty good blocker overall. I think he's a better blocker than Noah Fant, um, you know, and potentially could end up being the number two tight end taken um, in the draft because of the fact that he's a little bit more complete than Noah Fant. I think Noah Fant, when I look at Noah, uh, he reminds me a lot of Evan Ingram uh, in, you know, the, the, fit, the athleticism and, uh, you know, what he's able to do after the catch. You know, I, I just think that feels about the same in terms of that comparison. Um, you know, Irv Smith Jr. is a little bit shorter 
you know, as a tight end, um, you know, at uh, 6'2", 241. Here's what I think the Patriots are going to do. You can take Irv Smith Jr. You know, you remember when they took Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. You could have Irv Smith Jr. play a kind of that, that H-back type of role and then potentially take in the, you know, either day two or early day three, you take Dawson Knox out of Mississippi or Holly Waring out of uh, San Diego State, who's kind of that that sleeper tight end. And, you know, in a year or two, you've got yourself a couple of, a pair of tight ends who can really take some pressure off uh, the backs and receivers a little bit. So there you have it. My final mock draft. Put everything together. All the hard work for months on end. All the games that I watched. Over 250 games. All the, the notepads that I've gone through. You can hear me. I've got notepad after notepad of notes on players. Studying guys. You know, and, and I feel like you know now I I really have a better understanding of who the players are. So when we looking at we're looking at the needs, that's really what I'm looking for. Who who can best fit the the, the team needs? You know, and uh, you know the best best fit for for different organizations. So that's really what I've done. You know, with that this mock draft, the best that I can, the best of my ability. Um, so I hope you've enjoyed the podcasts. Uh, as we gear up for the draft, my goal has been to make sure that you are ready for the draft on April 25th. Um, I know I'm going to be having a lot of fun. going to have a draft party. We're going to sit there and, and kick back, watch the draft, take a look at my my picks and see see how I did. And uh, you know, I'll be, be looking forward to that. My picks will also be on the readyforthedraft.com uh, website. So you'll be able to go on there and see how my picks show up. Um, I'm releasing the first round uh, as soon as this podcast is released. Uh, and I may actually just release it, you know, now and then get the podcast released, um, you know, in, in a few hours. Um, just make sure that I get all of that out there well in advance of the draft. And then uh, I think my picks um, rounds two, three and four, I'll get all of those shored up over the next day and make sure that I get that released either at the end of the day on uh, the 24th or uh, possibly on the 25th. But I want to make sure that I get everything wrapped up well in advance of the draft to be able to go on there, really uh, hopefully take away some insight into you know my world, my madness in terms of you know what I think is going to happen at the draft. And again, you know, I, I think Todd McShay on ESPN said it best. You know, the the trades, it's fun fun to watch, but it's terrible for mock drafts. You know, so I think, you know, for me, I can't predict who's going to trade where and when. You know, a lot of people with their mock drafts, they try to to pick and choose some of those those trades. But when they don't happen, it really messes with your mock draft and really messes with your order. So I try to stay true to the order as much as I can, really looking at you know what the value is going to be. And like I said, I gave you a couple of options, especially with uh, with Tampa. Uh, I'm sorry, not Tampa, but with Jacksonville. Jacksonville stays put at seven. I think they go TJ Hawkinson. If they trade down, they're looking for a tackle, possibly Jawan Taylor. Um, you know, at, at that point. So you know that that's something that you know you can look at if it's. 
if they're here, they're taking one player. If they're there, they're taking another player. But I think that's about the best you can do because you really don't know what's going to happen. You really don't know who's going to trade up, who's going to trade down, whether they're going to trade. This team definitely is going to trade up. But just when you think they're trading with one team, they trade with somebody else. So I, I try not to get too much into some of the trades and really try to predict a lot of those things. More than anything else, I'm hoping that I get the position right. Because even if I don't get the player, because maybe the player's going off the board, maybe there's a surprise, somebody trades up and picks somebody, um, I want to at least make sure that I'm getting the position right because I'm evaluating you know, the need areas and uh, you know, play, you know, just really where that organization is going to go. So I really want to make sure that I get that position right. And then I think getting the player right, um, that would definitely be nice uh, to be able to hit that. Then you get that double whammy there in terms of, of your, your mock draft and your, your picks. Um, but it's always a crapshoot. It's a roll, you know, roll of the the dice with where how everything shakes out. I mean, we know that we've got a bunch of quarterback, you know, teams needing quarterbacks early. Um, you know, as many as six teams potentially looking for a quarterback. I think there's really only three that are deserving of a first round grade. Guys that'll go off the board on uh, in the first round. Though there's a chance that you could end up seeing four with Daniel Jones. Um, but, uh, I think that's really what you're going to see. You're going to see defense, defense, defense. Um, you know, I've got only one wide receiver taken off the board in round number one. You could potentially see Marquise Brown, potentially Hakeem Butler sneaking in there. No running backs taken in round number one. Uh, you know, Josh Jacobs could be taken by the Raiders or, uh, the Eagles, but I really think that's the only way that he ends up getting taken. I got three tight ends going in round one, um, Offensive tackles, you know, it's been a down couple of years, the last year, last few years. Um, but I think, you know, this year you're going to be seeing a lot of tackles taken early in the first two rounds. Um, got some interior linemen. You always, you know, the, the last few drafts, you've seen those interior linemen going. So uh, we, you know, we've got a few there. But it's going to be defense. It's going to be all about the defensive line, um, you know, the edge rushers and the defensive tackles. Uh, we got a couple of inside linebackers coming off the board. Um, you know, I, I said it in yesterday's podcast um, that you're looking at um, a potential, potentially not having one safety come off the board for the first time since 2011. But with Seattle trading back into round one, I truly think that that's where they're going to target. Though they could potentially address the offensive line, I think that's ultimately what they're going to do. You know, get their pass rusher with their first pick, second pick, get a safety to replace Earl Thomas, and and then kind of roll from there. Corners, you could have as, as few as one, but I went back and looked at the last few years, and uh, you know, you have to go back quite a ways to really find a draft where you you had so so few uh, so few corners taken. I think when I went back and and really took a look at things, let's see, the last time, let's see, 2009, just two defensive backs taken in round number one, Malcolm Jenkins going number 14 overall to the Saints, and then Vontae Davis going number 25 overall to the Dolphins. That was really the last time that you saw so few defensive backs taken. I'm looking at three corners, one safety. You could potentially have just one corner, Byron Murphy. No, you know, no, 
uh, DeAndre Baker or uh, Greedy Williams. I think Greedy Williams is his unwillingness to tackle is going to hurt him. I also think that uh, you know the attitude from from DeAndre Baker could potentially hinder him as well. So I, I think those are a couple of areas to really kind of keep an eye on as this draft unfolds. So April twenty fifth, make sure you tune in, watch the draft, and then. Over the, the, the next few days, you know, as I take a look at each team with their draft picks, I'll be bringing a couple more podcasts to break down each team's draft. Really take a look at you know, what they did well with the draft, what are some of the questionable picks, and then as we start gearing up for the 2019 season, I'll put together my all-shoots team, and we'll talk about who my favorite players are, who my favorite um you know, the, the favorite combos between the team and the player. What was the best match? You know, the best matches there. And that's really some of the things that I'm going to be looking at in advance of the season. Um, so some things to look forward to on the horizon there for the Ready for the Draft podcast. But until then, I think we sleep on it, you know, and uh, we get ready again. That draft right around the corner. I hope you are ready for the draft. I know I am. Again, this is Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com. This has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. Until next time, everyone, take care, and I am out of here. Draft is here.